in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Maximize Your Medicare podcast. While the information on this podcast is believed to be correct, you should verify all facts. Nothing in this podcast is to be construed as financial advice. It is not the offer for you to purchase any instrument or any interest in any financial contract, including but not limited to insurance. The opinions expressed in this podcast are mine and mine alone. They are not affiliated with the Department of Health and Human Services or financial institution. Today, our guest is Susan M. She is an immigration lawyer, and we'll be asking her about immigration issues, family matters for new persons into the United States. She's an attorney that represents both businesses and individuals. Let's get her on the line. Hi, Sue. Welcome to the Maximize Your Medicare podcast. How are you? Well, for everybody, this is Susan M. She is an immigration lawyer out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And a long time ago, Sue and I went to college together. Thanks for having me, Jay. (laughs) Well, Sue, like I said. Thanks for making me feel a little old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's one for you. Probably something that you didn't expect is this is one of the very few times after all this time, you know, one of the times that you would probably even return my phone call. So. (laughs) (laughs) Jay, you are funny. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me on the show. I thought to throw that in there, and there's no chance that I'm going to edit this out of the final, you know, podcast. So. <laughs> Some added entertainment value. Hey, there you go. Okay, so you're in immigration law, and every time we turn on the news today, it seems like there is some other, some new special effect or some news headline about immigration. Tell us what you do um, specifically now. Sure. Um, You're right, Jay. It's been a hot-button topic in the news, and uh, I've been practicing exclusively U.S. immigration law for the last 17 years, and uh, primarily what I do, Jay, probably the majority of what I do is I represent employers uh, in obtaining the necessary work visas and green card status for their talented foreign professionals. So uh, we represent a lot of employers that need to bring in um, specialized engineers, researchers, uh, you know, all sorts of different degree professionals, a lot of them STEM workers. Uh, but, yeah, that's a lot of what we do. And then the other part of what we do is just standard family immigration, right? which is representing folks that have family members abroad or maybe they're here in the United States and they've got that requisite qualifying relationship. So that's what we do. Practically speaking, is it getting any easier or is it getting harder or status quo or still always changing? <laughs> I wish it was getting easier, Jay. Right. <laughs> but we don't want it to be too easy where it works us out of business, but I joke <laughs> about that. Don't need you. But um it <laughs> yes, it is not getting easier. In fact, I would tell you, you know, the the employer clients and the foreign professionals that we work with would chuckle if they heard me today. Um, but they're probably busy working so they won't hear this. But if they heard this podcast, they would chuckle with me. It would be a resounding chuckle nationwide because we've really been facing a climate of no at the US citizenship and immigration. Right service ever since the downturn in the economy. And what I think is most frustrating, uh, we understand as attorneys that not every case that's filed is approvable, not even cases filed by attorneys. However, what we're finding is the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service, Jay, they don't 
even follow their own regulations. Of course. They're not applying the law. They it's are, the way, on, right. in many, many cases, misapplying the law, not even aware of the law in some of the decisions, um, and applying their own biases, which is not the law. And so some of them have... Uh, really revealed their bias, especially the economic downturn, uh, against wanting to approve any work visa petition, even for entrepreneurs that create jobs. Uh, however, um, that's not following the law, and that's my biggest issue with it and, and of you know, many of my colleagues nationwide. So it's, it's not easier. Uh, and I think for families, processing times have skyrocketed. We've seen um, not good processing times at the service centers for spousal-based petitions. I think one of the exceptions would be here in Michigan. We've got a USCIS Detroit district office that's really leading the nation in terms of spousal-based petitions for those that are lucky enough to file uh, here in the United States. But other than that, it's, it's not working. It's pretty broken. Generally speaking, it's the you mentioned at the beginning that it was employers that are your are your main sources of contacts, or they're the persons who call call you, Susan. And let me just you're you're online here right now, right now, right on imlaw.biz. That's where they can find you. Is that right? Yes. Yes. That's yes. your website. So, yeah. Sometimes it's the yes. Thank you. Imlaw.biz. You got it. And, uh, yeah, so some of them find me uh, via the website, but most often it's usually through a referral from a happy existing client or former client, or it's through uh, sometimes the foreign national beneficiaries. They've ported employers, and they used me before, and they want to use me again, um, assuming we don't have a conflict situation. So sometimes we're found either way, but, um, yes, yep, that's what, what usually happens, or they're referred to us by other counsel. What happens in the individual case? How do they get a hold of you? Now, first of all, is this very state-specific, or is, can someone from an employer in Florida call you and say, Sue, I've got this issue uh, with an expert type of employee that I'd like to hire? Is that possible, or is it very, very much state-by-state? Yeah, it is not state by state. I guess that's one of the real benefits. One of the things that is still working with U.S. immigration law, it's federal, Jay, so that's a great question. And we do have clients all over the nation, actually all over the world. So one of our largest clients with over 40,000 employees is based out of Atlanta. Um, And it's a healthcare client, but we also have clients that are in West Michigan, so I happen to be local for them. But I often don't see them that often because we don't have to really meet often in person for what we do. But, uh, yeah, so it's we have clients in, in... many different states and sometimes abroad as well. So there are ways to get a hold of you and deploy you if they're not, if they can't drive over and see you personally in your office, right? Yes. In fact, the days are long gone, Jay, where we would actually be able to walk into a U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service Center and walk in and receive in an application. Those days are long gone. Everything is done by email, FedEx, e-file these days, but um, for our employers, it's usually filed by FedEx or um, Reliable Courier with one of the service centers, typically California Service Center, Vermont, Texas, or um, Nebraska Service Center. And so it's not local for anybody anymore. What happens for an individual? So now an individual has been here for a period and then wants to bring over their family, etc. How is it different for that person as opposed now nowadays as opposed to when an employer calls you? Any yeah, different that's a really or good question? Yeah, it is different. Uh, it's tougher. You know, it's everything got tougher after nine eleven. There are more. There's more background checks. There's more delays in cases, and and a lot of that's justified. We need to have that happen. But then we've got 
you know, the other problems <laughs> within the government, the misapplications of the law, the losing of documents and, and, and whatnot. It's not to say that there aren't some good adjudicators out there that do the right thing. But it's gotten tougher for the families too, Jay. The processing times have skyrocketed. Uh, it's common if someone wants to call, call me, talk to me, Skype with me today, saying that they are a U.S. citizen and they are now engaged to or married abroad, uh, they married abroad a foreign national spouse, it's a good 12 months. It doesn't matter where they're from. Even Canadians, Canadian spouses really? um, that are attending an immigrant visa interview in Montreal, it's a good 10, 12 months for that multi-stage process that starts with the petition with the Immigration Service and moves to a couple of different agencies, culminating with the U.S. consulate abroad. It's a good year. It could be longer than that. It could be a little shorter than that. That's a long time to stomach for spouses of U.S. citizens. It's tough. To, uh, to hear. Now, it's different if the foreign nationals here right. and they're married U.S. citizen, they're here legally pursuant to an um, entry with inspection, they're going to be eligible for adjustment of status within the United States. And, you know, here in Michigan, they might be able to get their green card interview within four to six months. That's wonderful. That sounds faster than what I've heard in the past. I mean, just anecdotally. Much, much faster than in the past, Jay. Yeah, then, and a lot of that credited to well, I will say a lot of it credited to the current district director who's been there for a few years now, Mick Didvutkai, who's also himself an immigrant, and he has just cleaned up over there and done a fantastic job. He's really, you know, they're doing a great job in Detroit. So the waiting period, though, isn't really general. It's more local in the sense that it sounds like you've got a person or some area has a very good person helping the process, but in a different state, a different location, it could be, it, it will vary differently. Is that what you're telling me, or...? Yeah, well, we've got, we've got the distinction, Jay, between folks that have spouses residing abroad or relatives residing abroad that cannot legally enter the United States. Right. They don't have, they don't possess that visitor, multiple year visitor visa or the ability to do that. Even if they do, did have the visitor visa, maybe they'd have misrepresentation issues. They don't have the ability to legally enter the U.S., Jay, so they're stuck with that 10, 12 month plus processing time being separated, of course, unless the U.S. citizen flies abroad and sees that spouse. We've got a difference, though, with people, maybe they're the foreign nationals here as an F-1 student. Maybe they're right. here as working on a work visa. They happen to marry a U.S. citizen. That person has a much better process because they can adjust their status to permanent residence from within the U.S., and no matter what district office they're working on in the U.S., they're, they're going to beat the 12 months immigrant visa green card processing time from out of the U.S. Maybe not as good as Michigan, four to six months, but right. the process is uniform. It's all filed with the same USCIS lockbox. It goes to the same National Benefit Center no matter where you're, you're living. From what you can tell, the person who is already here and wants to start going through the process and has been here as an employee on a multiple you know, visit, visa, et cetera, please excuse me if I'm using the wrong terminology. Sure. But that'd be like me talking about Medicare, which I know very little about. We'll get to <laughs> we'll get to that. But now there is the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, which has changed you know eligibility to health insurance for persons who are not Medicare age. Have you seen or you know the person now has their restrictions and their rules, but there's actually a, quite a bit of loosening of the rules, meaning that. Mm -hmm. You just need to show that you are a resident here in the United States, et cetera. How does any real change in terms of the timing for that as far as you know, or is that status quo from your point of view? That's an interesting question. I would tell you it's more uh, not applicable in my view just because I don't – it's interesting. It doesn't come up. 
it doesn't come up because usually they're focused on Immigration Council for that visa service. Right. And so they don't really turn to us for the, um, you know, the question about insurance and, and all of that. So I actually haven't gotten asked that question, Jay. Um, I've been asked by employers with brand new foreign national professionals just entered on a work visa right. having a problem applying for a loan and um, and needing some assistance, sure. you know, maybe a, a letter written by me that explains what status they're on and they're absolutely legal and able to work here and um, for this particular period of time, something like that. But I haven't been asked the insurance question yet. It's kind of dovetails to, you know, what the other thing that I wanted to speak about was your involvement uh, or previous involvement, I guess, in what was the what is now what Western Michigan Asian American Association? Is that right? Oh yes, yes. Um, I am. Uh, I'm just a member of the West Michigan Asian American Association, which came about Jay as a merger of two different Asian organizations: the Asian right. Professionals Organization right. (APO) and Asian Health Organization. And I, um, I was part of. I was one of the founders of the Asian Professionals Organization years ago, and was uh, a former president and, and active on that board. Um, once it merged into WMAA after the birth of my second child, it really co- coincided around then. No, I, I haven't been on the board. So I've just been a member, but I, I like to stay attuned to what's going on with them because they're really doing some neat things in West Michigan and have some wonderful leaders. That organization seems a little bit more geared towards getting people informed about you know the health system here in the United yes. States uh, much more yes. so. Is that in from what you can... I agree. Yes, and I think that's a much-needed thing, and which is why the leadership of the two organizations, I think it was really a good thing to merge for so many different reasons, right, Jay? I mean, and in today's age, if you're asking the same pockets for money, for fundraising or whatnot, it just makes sense to try not to have to ask the same pockets more than you need to. So merger made sense there. Plus, um, the the leadership and folks that were involved in both organizations, The um, I think we had some strong leaders from the Asian Health Organization, and you see that advocacy on the health issues, which is so needed in the Asian population. It's needed. Okay, somehow we had a technological problem with Skype, and we got disconnected. So I reconnected us, and we're back with Susan M. Immigration Lawyer. She Her website is imlaw.biz. Okay, so we've got this ironed out, Sue. So back to... Um, you know what do you think the cause is as far as why why people need the information is it a language barrier primarily or one just because the system is just too difficult to understand oh, i think it's all of the above d <laughs> i mean i think it's the language barriers the cultural barriers that are unique to the asian community and of course jay the asian community is so diverse it's so much more diverse than I ever had an idea until I got sure. involved with these organizations. And there, I think there are unique health issues too, the different subsets. Um, but, but thinking about it just in terms of, you know, I think about my elderly Korean mother. Um, what does she know, you know, about the healthcare system or navigating Medicare? The minimum, very little, probably not even the minimum. So I think, and part of it's cultural too, that she may not seek out that information and, and that, you know, the barriers there, maybe not knowing the right person to ask. Um, so the elderly, I think, have their unique issues in addition to the ethnic language cultural barrier, not having access. So I think that's a really key thing that um, the Asian Health Organization, predecessor to WMA and, and what WMAA is doing right now with Minnie Mori at the helm, I mean, I, I just really commend them. They're really getting the word out about 
all kinds of different medical events. And even when Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act came out, I remember the first emails I got, don't understand Obamacare? Come to this session. It was from many at WMA. Do they still, do they have it right at this point in your view? Or do you think that as far as that the general population or, and most specifically minority, where English isn't the first language, for example, uh, that the word is getting out correctly or is the word getting out you know, to the degree that is required or, or is that still inadequate at your, is, from yeah, your point I, of view? I don't have a good enough pulse on that, Jay. Um, you know, I don't have a good enough pulse on that because it isn't my, you know, area of expertise. But I have to believe that more could be done, and that isn't WMAA's fault. They they get it on the listserv. Like I said, I could count that the number of ACA-type workshops that I found out about through through many. And I have to admit, Jay, that I didn't attend any of them. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> I should have. I, I mean, Minnie sent me the email. So uh, so she's just fantastic, right. and I, I really commend them. But I will tell you, I mean, i got to believe there's got to be more. You know, you hear about this 8 million number, and that's incredible to me, I think. Incredible. Higher than what, you know, I think folks expected in the naysayer. So, but could it be more? Sure. It's interesting that, you know, when you dovetail your your legal practice, one where you have new entrants into this country trying to get permission to stay here legally, you know, for extended periods of time, that then all of a sudden they get have to adapt to an entirely new social system, which means a no <laughs> totally different set of legal systems as well as you know, taxation, et cetera. And one of those, of course, then is how you're going to take care of yourself. Exactly. And exactly. Do you, as far as the other types of, you know, professional services or other types of support for those persons, how do you end up following up once you're done with a company? If I go back to, you know, the employer who is called Sue and again, it's imlaw.biz. Is that right, Sue? Yes. Right. Yes. Um, so they've contacted you, and then you completed your work. Then it goes back to the employer. The employers are big enough that they can then handle the other types of, you know, supporting, you know, sure, yeah, tax, the insurance piece of it. Yeah, they usually most of the employers I work with, um, and and most of the contacts for me, Jay, are HR. Okay. So it's always almost always either an HR manager, generalist. Um, sometimes if the company's smaller and they don't have as much piece of traffic, it might be uh, maybe not as official. But I would say most of the stuff that I work on in the employment-based realm, sure. A9 compliance would be the HR folks. So, yeah, they typically, even the smaller companies, handle the benefit administration. But you have to wonder, too, especially the smaller companies, whether they're getting access to all the information they need that – is applicable to foreign nationals, and I, I understand that can be complex. Jay, you probably know more about that than I do, because I don't. I don't keep track of all of the. I know enough to be dangerous in terms of eligibility for all of the different types of, you know, whether foreign nationals, green card holders, how long right. they held it. Well, I guess yeah. one, the one thing is that you know you can then potentially point them the right area. What about individuals? So now I'm sure you would have an individual who has contacted you and. Now you've helped them through the process, et cetera, and, you know, family or, you know, spouse has arrived in the United States, and then they also have to then get a whole new set of information. Yes. And oh, my goodness, yes. And I, they don't always, there's some wonderful, I do have to put a plug out for uh, a, a woman that created a, a company called After the Move, and I'm sure that there are more companies like that. 
um, here in the United States, but I met this amazing um, woman, Candy, who owns a company called After the Move, which really is local here in Grand Rapids. But I thought, what an amazing service. I wanted to know more about her and asked her to connect with me after our uh, meeting. It was a presentation for women that I presented at. And she, uh, what she does is she helps people, Jay, with precisely many of those things. And she's not above, you know, it's helping you find out where do you get your hair products. Right. Uh, where do you <laughs> right. eat your ethnic food. And I'm guessing she's had some really yummy meals, you know, sure. to, to launch in this business. And so there's folks like her. Um, there's folks like Alan Headbloom, who's a multi, uh, he's a cross-communication cross-cultural communication specialist, and he's worked with a number of employers um, nationwide, but also some of my clients that I refer to him are really happy with him, and what he does is he helps people with issues that they might be experiencing on the job, right. um, you know, that with cultural issues or not understanding, what does this mean? I don't get this thing oh, of course. they're all talking about around the water cooler. <laughs> the, 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 the benefits piece of it, that doesn't come up too often to me, but I'm surprised it hasn't come up, come up more often. I would end up referring them to someone like you. Or to some and say, and if Jay can't handle it, he'll know who, or you know, a, um, a, a another benefit specialist that's helped us in the past. It's incredible that it seems like that people don't know even know where to start. To they don't ask. even know where to start. Yeah, and we've got welcome Matt in Michigan. We've got kind of a, a fun resurgence in interest in attracting immigrants to the state with Governor Snyder, Jay, and it's been really refreshing. And a good friend and colleague of mine, Bing Goy, who is the CEO of Eastern Floral here in West Michigan, really involved in the community. Well, he was appointed as Governor Snyder's director of this Office for New Americans, and the job is to welcome immigrants and, and other programs. That really, that really waters it down. <laughs> He's really busy right now. But essentially one of the things Governor Snyder has put a huge emphasis on is we immigrants, we want to send you the clear message, Michigan is a great place for you. It's a great place for you to live. It's a great place for you to work. It's a great place for you to invest in. It's a great place for you to create jobs. Perfect. And through that, Global Michigan and Global Detroit, there's some other supportive organizations that created, they're, they're creating welcome mat and different sort of services that you can um, access as an immigrant to try to hopefully direct you in the right direction. But yeah, you're right. They don't know where to start. They don't know about welcome mat or Global Michigan or, um, you know, talking to somebody like me or, or you. You don't even know, even if you've been a resident or, you know, a lifelong right. citizen here, where to ask. So I can't imagine you that if you're even... new, <laughs> that, oh my that goodness. you know where to start. Right. That's, Absolutely. That's so true, Jay. In fact, I'll hear it from estate planning colleagues and some right. of my former partners. Susan, where do I start with this? That might be where I hear it, is at the estate planning stage. We no, there's no doubt about that. We didn't realize going to be an issue right. for our client, right? Right. So I didn't realize it was going to be an issue that she's not a U.S. citizen. Oh, no. So you you talked about that estate planning. You used to work with those persons in in like yeah. elder law or, or that part of their general practice. How did that work? It was actually yeah, it was actually at my old law firm. I'm at in law now, our own firm. But um, but previous to that, I was a partner at McShane and Bowie, and uh, they're a good firm in Grand Rapids. And some of my partners there. Um, ben Fowler, Michelle Anthes, that that's what they did with estate planning. And so, yeah, they I, they encounter those questions, and I'm sure those difficult issues all the time. Of course. Anything else there, Sue? I guess we talked on a couple of different things, you know, related to you specifically on immigration and then, you know, whether that be at the company level or on the individual level and then, you know, reach your previous and, you know, continuing interest in, you know, reaching out to certain persons related to that practice. Anything else good on the on the plate in the near future here? 
You can plug oh. right here. You can give your shameless plugs about yourself. No problem. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Oh, good. Well, I'm just I'm just on the front lines, and so I. It's an honor to be able to work with employers and immigrants every day doing what I do. So I'm very in touch with the need for advocacy, continued advocacy on the topic of immigration, which is so complex. And very. I feel like oftentimes, you know, immigration attorneys really, I do feel like it's our duty because we're in the best position to educate politicians and the public on it. So it's not so, only yeah, the, and I think it's the a policy win-win. makers. It doesn't have to be a, yeah, it doesn't have to be a losing proposition. It's a win-win, particularly with the clients that I see that include entrepreneurs investing a lot of money in the United States and creating jobs. Right. That is would be, of course, a welcome, you know, development tip for everybody. All right, yeah. so Sue, you, well, thank you, Jay. It, oh, thank you again. That is imlaw.biz, and they can there all your contact information is there. What is it? Yeah. Susan, you can send you an email at susan at imlaw.biz. Is that right? That's right. They can send it there. They can send it at the info at imlaw.biz. It's all available on the website. So yes. Thanks, Jay. Thank you well, so much for the opportunity to talk with you today. Let's do this again. And, you know, thanks after all this time for finally returning my call. <laughs> it's my pleasure, Jay. We need to do this more often. All righty. Thanks, thanks again. Thank you. All right, everybody. That's it for today. Thank you very much to our guest, Susan M. You can see her website online at imlaw.biz, I-M-L-A-W dot B-I-Z. Don't forget to subscribe to the Maximize Your Medicare podcast on iTunes. You can find information about Maximize Your Medicare, my book, at www.maximizeyourmedicare.com. That's it for today. Speak with you next time.